listen to these again. The first week we talked that we have to choose hope. In order to heal anything, you have to choose to have that relationship with Christ. Um, we, we've talked about what it was like to try to do life without him. And there's, one, there's a couple things that, that, really, that really catch my attention, especially when I go through something that's pretty difficult in my life, is my mind tends to wander, and, and I, I think, my goodness, I'm going through all this stuff, but I have a hope in Christ. What are, what are people going through, even in our community here, maybe some of you even here, what are they going through without the hope of Jesus? It's a, it's a never-ending, downward-spiraling, never-going-to-be-over-it hurt. We chose commitment that, that God desires us to be committed so it's not a, it's not at connection, you will not, you will not hear this. Hey, come and have a relationship with Jesus, get saved, that's a church word, uh, get, get saved, and you're done. <laughs> you're not done. If that was the case, as soon as you got saved, you'd be going to heaven, that's it. Other, otherwise, we have, we have jobs to do. So when we choose commitment, we choose things like this. We choose, I watched this morning as, and as someone came early, they chose to come early. Uh, they, the, I think the only person, there was only a couple people that even beat them to church. And, uh, and, they, and they cleaned, they windexed the door when you came in. They, they vacuumed the rug. They, they, some of them cooked popcorn or coffee, and, they, and they made, they, they have, they've chosen this commitment that they are going to show God's love by doing other things to show other people how much God has loved them. But, but this is what we do. We're really, Americans especially, I know some of you don't like me harping on this, but I'm telling you, Americans have a problem. We're lazy. And we, we have not had the obstacles spiritually in our lives that ha- have happened in other corners of the world. And when you look at the way the gospel is traveling through China right now, it's like a wildfire. Because there has been oppression to that. And there's faithful people. That are, they, they cannot be lazy. And they're sharing the gospel. And, and God, is, God is flourishing. You can see in the Old Testament, whenever... Whenever, whenever Pharaoh tried to put his thumb down on the Israelites when they were in captivity in Egypt, what happened? God blessed them <laughs> to the point of probably between 1.8 and 2 million Jews in captivity. They, they populated quickly, rapidly. They were blessed. But we don't have this. We, we, we are really, in America, we're really good starters. But then we say, you know what? Here's the deal. I've paid my quarter. I've done my time. I'm done. No, here's the deal. This is what the Bible says. You're done when God says you're done. You stop breathing and you go to heaven. If you read about the Apostle John's life, and the disciple, okay, the, the beloved, the one was at the, at the cross, where Jesus talked to him and he said, John, behold your mother. This guy, in the painting, the, the Last Supper, it's the one, he's the one reclining, as it's said in Scripture, reclining, hanging out with Jesus. He was the close one. He was in an inner circle of an inner circle of people. He saw Jesus ascend into heaven personally with his eyes. He preached. All of the other disciples, he outlived them. He outlived them all. So you would think that a guy that's really close to Jesus say, hey, man, I've done my stuff. Why am I still here? So th- this is what they did. They hunted him, and then they found him. They caught him. And they said, okay, we're going to put you to death. Oh, joy. 
They boiled John in oil. Why? Because he preached the gospel of Christ. So as if that wasn't bad enough, he survives. His, his body probably mangled or impaired to, to, to some degree. So he, he's, he's, he's been treated this way. Uh, and they said, you know what? If you're not going to shut up, we've tried killing you. Okay, we're just going to exile you to an island off of Greece named Patmos. So John goes out there. And on the island of Patmos is where God sends his revelation and John pins the book, Revelation. And it said, if you study, if you study the churches that were there, he's, he's on an island with criminals, with people that just needed exiled and whatever. And it said, even in John's last days, and he couldn't stand, he couldn't get around very well, that he would preach one word until he died. He would say, love. God loves you. If God can change my life. He, see, we as Americans, we don't, we don't get that kind of commitment. I'm going to do this for a couple days and I'm done. I'm going to do this for a week. Maybe you're really good for a year. And then I'm done. That's why I appreciate the people that do the things that most of you don't even ever see. <laughs> it's already done before you get here. And, you know, the, the, this was vacuumed this morning. It, this thing that the, the band has practiced, the people who cook coffee, preparing lessons, going to the store to get snacks. Listen, Kids Rock is legit. We have good snacks. Okay, Little kids in, in Baby Gap, they have cool snacks, but you got to go get them. But we have teachers that care that much. We choose commitment. Then we chose to come clean. And coming clean is not a really good, not a really fun one because we had to admit when we were wrong. And if you, if you remember that sermon I had, I, I was playing, um, but I, I said some of us can't even say the word, I'm wrong. If I had to say it to Mary, I'd do this. I'm wrong. Um, and then act like everything was okay. When God says, you have to come to me. If you're going to follow these steps in, in the Sermon on the Mount, and you're going to become a better follower of me, you have to come clean. And if you've taken any time to, to really further your walk and get deeper in your walk, what you'll find is, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, and there's things that happen... Some of you may understand that you can come clean with God a lot faster than you used to. I shouldn't talk that way to her. I shouldn't have thought that thing about that person that pulled out in front of me and decided that the speed limit on Route 15 is 30. Man, that's a pet peeve of mine. Wow. As if it's not dangerous enough. People that do that kind of stuff. So we come clean. And last week, last week we talked about the, cho- the, the part that we have to choose. Remember the pig with the mud. And that, that we really like our mud because our mud is where we're comfortable. But even people walking by us and even us sometimes, know, we know that the mud stinks. But we, it's too comfortable enough to leave. We, it's like, oh, I, oh, I'm comfortable here. And literally, God looks at us spiritually. He goes, listen, I didn't create you to stink. I created you to to commit your life to me, to move past this. And then what we do is we sit in this mud because it's comfortable. And I told you, you could be be Babe or Wilbur. It doesn't matter. You can be whatever pig name you want. And and, we sit there and we we just cozy into that mud. 
And then we have the audacity to whenever God says, hey, I want to move you out of this. We say, listen, look how dirty I am. Look what you did. Man, it's not his fault. (laughs) We sit down in it. God says, I want to stretch you. I want to move you. But you have to choose to change. We would rather put up with the negative side of things than to trust God for positive things. We would rather stay comfortable than step out into a world. And I, and I talked with a guy this week, and he said, man, Matt, that, you're talking about leaving your comfort zone, and that's something that I really struggle with. And I said, yeah, I said, sometimes people have, you know, comfort zones that aren't very big. They can't really take a whole lot of steps. And he goes, well, I think that I kind of stand on mine. Mine's about the size of a Cheerio. <laughs> And I said, we, have to, we, have to, we just have to trust God that we can, we can get out there. But it's scary. You have to choose to change. See, all of, it, all of this hinders on the, on, on the fact, I can, preach, I can preach through this for eight weeks. We can look at the Sermon on the Mount. We can look how cool Jesus is. We can look at how cool this sermon is. We can look how, how it affects our life. But in the end, it's not my choice to choose for you. And it's not your choice to choose for me. This is an, this is an independent, you and God only relationship. And it's absolutely nobody else's business. But you have to choose it. Because we can, otherwise we just stay in the mud. Um, this morning, we're choosing to repair. And we're going to be in Matthew 5. We're going to be in verse 7. Um, keep in mind, all these, all these sermon series, so if you go back and listen, they're in order. You have to choose to commit to Christ before he's going to fix it, right? These things are, not, are, are to be done um, in order. And now, when we choose to repair something, this is what we're choosing. God, I'm wanting you to fix whatever areas in here, what relationships are not mended right now. But oftentimes when he fixes it, we, get, we, we can get upset because maybe it doesn't go exactly how we want it to go. I don't think they apologized enough. I may be hitting on some toes right now. I don't know. There's times in my head that I want to think something just unbelievable. Go, I don't even really think that Mary even, I don't even think that she really even wanted to say sorry careful be careful because when you choose to repair something it is not about you and too often americans especially us follow if you're a follower of jesus we think this fix me and make me great no (laughs) no oftentimes when we lead spiritually it's the people that are what jesus said that are the servant not the not the high and and the the booming Popular people, it's the people that are behind the scenes. And when, when he says, I want you to repair something, man, your air conditioner breaks in, a, in this time of year, you're going to get it fixed if you can afford it. You're going to get it fixed. You'll do what you can to get it repaired. If you have one vehicle at home and the transmission goes out, you're probably going to call Mike. And he does transmissions. <laughs> so you're going you're gonna to get it fixed, contrary to popular belief. Mary and I have had a vehicle that he has fixed and the transmission went out. Contrary to popular belief, it really doesn't drive well when the transmission's out. <laughs> but do you know what we do? 
Our transmission can be completely out of our spiritual life and we can walk around this world like, hey, look at me, I have everything together. You lie. You don't have everything together. And some right, right now in, in here, or listening online, somebody is going, he's going to talk about relationships, mute. You don't know what that person did to me. You do not know how bad they hurt me. You do not know this. You do not this and you know this. Matt, you just need to shut your mouth. You have no idea what you're talking about when you're talking to me. I have, I'm not pretending to know everything about you. I have seen forgiveness and choosing to repair in my life and the, the lives of, 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 my, of my family to the point that I did not know if it was spiritually possible to offer forgiveness for what had happened. I didn't choose it. The family member in my life that chose to forgive somebody that hurt her very, very much, I didn't want to forgive at all. Oh, man, he's a pastor. He can't think that way. You know what kind of attitude you can have behind closed doors when somebody hurts somebody that's close to you. What would I like to do as a 15 or 16-year-old kid whenever I was in the room when, when that person in my family told that person that they forgave him for what they did? I stood on the other side by my dad saying, I think that I need to talk with this guy alone for about five minutes, and he's not going to need any machines when I get done with him. There you go. It hurt deep. But I watched the amazing, unbelievable, undescribable, indescribable love of God flow out of that person in my family. They had recovered from the hurt, which they had to have significant time to heal from and they walk to this person and I will never forget until the day that I die the words that I heard uttered from their mouth I forgive you I'm standing in the side going don't say that don't let them off the hook don't say that quit it I'm I'm a guy in our family I'm supposed to protect you don't forgive him And I watched that person that had just been forgiven. They knew they could never say words that would be adequate enough. But I watched as that person received that forgiveness and probably offered one of the most authentic apologies I've ever seen in my life. And I watched, not that they're going to eat dinner together for the rest of their lives close, but I watched as God began to stitch together a relationship that had been broken. It would never be the same, but he began to heal. I wanted nothing to do with it. So everything that has happened to you, hear this, everything that has happened to you is not necessarily your fault, but every way that you react is. We attempt to fix part of our stuff and not the whole thing. We, maybe we need to take responsibility. Maybe, maybe there's somebody in your life. Maybe you don't have a relationship with your kids. Maybe you don't have a relationship with your, with your parents. Maybe, maybe you don't have a relationship with a friend and, and, and that, that's been broken for a long time. Maybe there's somebody in this church that you don't have a good relationship with. I want to ask you a question, and it, it's going to seem like this is a joke, okay? <laughs> if they're a follower of Jesus, and so are you. And you guys both die today and you go to heaven. You going to hang on to that for any time in eternity? Wait. Right? 
in the grand scheme of things, does, does it really, 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 really matter? And you're going, Matt, you have no idea. Listen. <laughs> if you have your worship handout, by the way, before I forget, if you, have, if you, if you want to order a, a Connection t-shirt, to, today's the last day that we're going to order them out in the lobby. Uh, but if you, open your, if you open your worship handout to the very first blank, some of us need to answer this question this morning. Let's see the first one. There you go. How do I offer forgiveness to someone who has hurt me? Why should I? <laughs> we do not have time to just completely digest, break up, and expositorily explore this. How do I offer forgiveness to someone who has hurt me? You can look at people's opinions. I don't care how many times you watch Dr. Phil, and there are, there, their things are just like yours. It's all individual. How do I offer forgiveness to someone who has hurt me? Matt, you have no idea how bad they've hurt me. Although I do not know everything about you and how you've been hurt, I will say this. There's not a single person in this room that does not know what it means to be hurt. Not one. Everybody here has been hurt. I don't care if you're 15. I don't care if you're 7. I don't care if you're 107. Everybody in here knows what it means to hurt. So how do I offer it to them? Because they hurt me. But here's those last three words. Why should I? Because I don't want to. Maybe you come, maybe if you, if you ask God to speak to you, what you understand is we often, often, often think this way. He hurt me. She hurt me. They hurt me. They hurt me. They hurt me. They hurt me. What if we change the question around and we ask God to let you know, who have I hurt? See, this is the beauty, this is the beauty of the gospel. Even though that you have, you have hurt people, God says, I can fix it. You can. You can offer forgiveness. I will heal. So we, we think, we, it's like something happens to, to us and we scream justice. But when that person that did something to somebody else is in our family, we scream mercy instead of justice. No, 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 no. He didn't mean that. No, 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 no. When we understand, I don't know about you. Maybe it's difficult for you. It is for me sometimes. Get all alone. Got to hang out with God, start talking to him. And he begins to speak to you in areas of your life that are struggles. God I cannot believe that Mary has the audacity to treat me this way, to say things this way. This is not the truth. This is, this is the made-up stuff that goes on in your head. I can't believe that she treats me this way. I can't believe that she does this. I can't believe that she does, she does this. And what God brings up to me is something that I do not want to understand. He goes, well, what part of, did you play in it? You know what my first answer is? What's your first answer? Nothing. I don't have a problem. What an arrogant idiot to look at God and say, I don't have a problem. Keep in mind, you look into God and you're reflecting back with a, a perfect creator of the universe. There will be flaws in your reflection. 
So we, we, offer, we have to offer forgiveness. But why? Why should I? I don't want to. Do you desire to have a relationship? And I don't mean one that makes you buddy-buddy best friends for the rest of your life. I just mean taking ownership for your part in this. Because, no, you're not responsible for everything that happens to you. Okay? I don't want anybody to leave here this morning and think this, so I'm going to tell you. No abuse is okay. Just hear that. So if something has happened to you, it's not necessarily your fault, but you have to. You have to. Why do I have to? Because God, is, God will use, by the way, he will use this hurt. And whenever he, you say, God, I can't handle this. I cannot handle I'm, I am stuck on a song, uh, and I, I really, really love it. I've been listening to it for the past couple, couple months. And it's, I, I've just been doing a lot of studying on struggles or mountains or things, and, and I love the bridge. You guys have probably heard this, but we've, and we've done it here. But when it talks about there's a mountain in front of me, you're going to throw it into the midst of the sea. See, what happens is that mountain later in life will look like a little molehill, and you'll, you'll come in contact with somebody that thinks that molehill is a mountain just like you did. And because God has healed you and you gave it up to him, for that stuff and he threw that into the ocean and he healed you of this but he still let you remember that and then you get to speak into their life hey I know what it's like to go through exactly what you've gone through and people don't see you talking down to them they see you talking to them with them sometimes you pick people up sometimes you put spiritual waders on up to your neck and get in the mud with them just to take them out but why do I offer forgiveness to someone who has hurt me I don't want to when we think about the, just the immenseness of how much we've individually been forgiven, and you're a follower of Christ, how can you not? It can't be that simple. It is. How can, how can we not? John, John Piper has a, a sermon in... In, uh, in, the, in the song that he, Though You Slay Me by Shane and Shane, he talks in the middle of it, and it's from one of his sermons on, um, on hurt. And he says, everything that you go through, including everything that is painful, is totally meaningful. Because God is going to use it. We don't want to go through this. It's hard. It's tough. Before you leave upset, let me tell you this. This process does not happen overnight. It doesn't. 99.9% .9 of the time, it doesn't. Especially if it's something deep and you know what I'm talking about. This is a process where you have to choose to be in, in, in contact with God and work intentionally on this so that he can help heal you so you can release that from somebody else or you can take responsibility for something that you've done he, he says this in Matthew 5 7 look at that with me or in your on your phone or whatever it says happy are those who are merciful to others God will be merciful to them <laughs> don't you like it when people give you mercy that's a beautiful thing for instance I know that nobody in here has ever done this, so I'll share my story so you don't have to be incriminated. I may have in the past, oh, how do I put this, 
excessively driven over the suggested speed limit. And when I was doing so, I got to meet a really, really cool dressed police officer. And he says, he asks, have any idea how fast you're going? You and I both know the answer to this question. Yeah, I was doing like 80. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm not so sure. I don't really, wasn't paying attention, but I know that I was speeding. I knew exactly how fast I was going. <laughs> and he said, he said, I, I clocked you at like, I don't know, 72 or 73. And I said, I said, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but listen to what I said. I said, yep, probably. I didn't do that to get out of a ticket. And I think some of us, many of us, maybe, if, unless you never got a, a driving award, those are, that's, that's slang for tickets, okay? So, so maybe, maybe you've been pulled over, and maybe, maybe you've gotten a ticket, but I, I probably can guess that if you got a ticket, you probably deserved a ticket. And I know there's gray areas, and you go, wow, I was coming down a hill, and I had cruise control on, and it just sped up on its own. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Okay? I've tested this theory. No, it didn't. So he goes, so, but you, maybe, maybe you've also experienced this. This, this. this officer comes up to me and he goes, he goes, 72 miles an hour. He goes, you have a Class B CDL license. I'm like, yeah, I do. And if you don't know, I can drive anything but a semi. But if you get a ticket with a CDL, it's really, really beautifully expensive. And he goes, I tell you what, I'm going to cut you a break tonight and uh, just keep it down. I said, sir, I will drive 55 miles an hour anywhere I have to go the rest of the night except in town. And he said, okay, have a good night, and he left. And you know what it's like after they leave and they don't give you a ticket. I, like, put it in park, put it in park, put it in drive. I let, there was not some, anybody that was closer than 500 yards, I wasn't going to pull out in front of that guy. I'm just, like, letting them, I'm I'm sitting there at the side of the road for, like, 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm just going to, nice and easy, my signal's been on for five minutes. You creep onto the road and. Then you turn into that person that's driving 35 on Route 15. So maybe that's why they drive that fast. I don't know. So, but, but I understood the feeling of what mercy was in, in, a completely, in a completely worldly way, but something that I should have deserved, I didn't get. I broke the law. The Bible is even further black and white about that. You break the law, we deserve death. That's what Paul says. He goes, what you do, the payment for the things that you do in sin, you deserve death. So when Jesus talks about mercy, happy are those who are merciful to others. God will be merciful to them. Listen, he's talking about something exceptionally deep, and he probably would have said this in 10, 15 seconds. This is just a good rule to go through life with. Because you, whenever you become merciful to others, you have an understanding in your head that other people have been merciful to you. It's like a giant spiritual pay it forward. If you've ever been in, front, in, in, in line at a fast food restaurant and somebody has paid for your meal, it's weird. You're like, oh, I should have ordered more. 
I, I paid for a person behind me one time, and, you know, they got like a van full of people. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to use what money I have. I may not be able to pay for it all. And I said, I'd like to pay for the vehicle behind me. And she looks out and looks, and there's a van full of people. And I went, oh, man. Mary's going to be mad when I pull out the debit card on this one. Dave Ramsey, not okay. Okay, so, so she says it's a dollar seven. What? She goes, she just got a sweet tea. Yes. <laughs> but no, but, but it, it's cool because, because she said, I love, and, the, and the, cash, the cashier person, the lady goes, she goes, I love when this stuff happens because you, watch this, you see other people loving people. Why is, why is that so rare? Why is, why is being merciful to someone? You ever play the game Mercy with your hands? Some of us may have, still have scarred claw marks in our hands from playing this game. But you, play, you play Mercy and it's the first one to, to give up. Listen, God says this. Whenever, whenever you are ready... To understand how merciful I've been to you, Matt, because of all the stupid junk and sin that you have done, it's time for you to do what is the last step of a Celebrate Recovery 12-step program, and that is to recycle the mercy. You recycle it and you reteach it. You teach someone else. You show your kids what it's like to be merciful. Happy are those, Jesus says, that are merciful to others. When we realize how much we've been forgiven. Look at the next blank. I, st- I looked at this for two days. You know where it got me? <laughs> Just a better realization that I need to walk around with mercy. If God has forgiven you, shouldn't you forgive others? Now how about this? What if... <laughs> What if we all had to sit down? Maybe next Sunday I'll just provide notebooks. And I need, a, I need one of like the five-star, seven-subject, great big college rule, small, because I'm going to be writing for a while. But what if, what if next Sunday I handed out all, everybody got a uh, brand-new ink pen and the, the notebook, and, and what I had to do is I said, everything that you can possibly remember that you did that was wrong and sinful, I want you to just write it down. And at the end of that, whenever we had our pages and pages and subjects and subjects and probably notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks, if you're me. And then we stacked that all up and we weighed it against our life. Here's the problem. The sin outweighs the good that we do. In a black and white scenario, looking at God, God says one sin is enough to separate you forever. But if you've understood what God's forgiveness is... And you have a relationship with Christ and he's come inside your life in the Holy Spirit. And he works inside you. You probably know deep down that these relationships need to be better. And you probably are been, have been convicted that it needs to involve you. That's how the Holy Spirit rolls. That's how he works. If you're, if you're a reader, you can come talk to me, talk to me later. But if, you're, if you really like to see how the Holy Spirit uh, as interactive in our life in a, in a really cool book. I, I've, I have a couple copies at home. I'll be glad to let you borrow. Uh, but Francis Chan wrote Forgotten God. It's unbelievable. The Holy Spirit's the most interactive part of the Godhead that we deal with. He's our every day. He's inside of us. 
And what God says, he says, if God has forgiven you, Matt, shouldn't you forgive others? Do you know what I tell God? What they did to me is different. No, it's not. No. You were a jerk, they were a jerk. Even Stephen. <laughs> but, 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 and we will argue, and we will argue, and we will argue. And I know that none of you have kids that would like to push the issue and push the issue and push the issue and push the issue. And I really wasn't doing that. I really wasn't doing that. The Family Circus has the, the, the cartoon. says, you know, who did it? Nobody. Okay, if you've ever seen that cartoon, nobody did it. In my house, that guy exists. Who did it? Nobody. What? I have a child that can be in the room by themselves. And I say, hey, who did that? They're the only one around. And they'll look at you and go, I have no idea. <laughs> I'll say, I will going to ask you this again, right? But if God has forgiven you of what you've been forgiven of, what gives you permission to not write relationships with other people? This is the answer. You don't have that permission. But I want to stay mad. I want to stay angry. What would it look like? How loudly would it speak of God's love if you went to somebody that you knew that you're having a trouble with relationship and you asked them to forgive you or you forgave them? How much weight would that carry? A significant amount, I take it. Look at, look at verse 8. Jesus continues, he goes, Happy are the pure in heart, they will see God. So he, he gives us this this just this barrage of stuff. And he says, happy are the merciful, happy are the pure in heart. Man. What pure in heart mean? It's like we're watching Chronicles of Narnia. Pure in heart. Who says this? Happy are the pure in heart. What does that mean? It says, happy are the pure in heart, they will see God. Paul in the New Testament talks about the word purity. And he says, we should seek things that are pure. Seek things that, um, that, 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 that are of God and not of us. And he says, and, and the first word that he used here, he uses it again, and I don't know, Jesus just happy on the day that he gave a sermon on the mount. He says, happy are they, man. Some of you are so upset in life that you don't even like to look at this word happy because it resembles something that's happier than what you are. And you say, I just want to stay mad. You do. You do. Happier the pure in heart. I don't want to be pure in heart. I don't want to be happy. Quit it, Eeyore. Stop. Do you see the way that person just talks about Jesus all day? Yeah. Heaven forbid. Do you see the way that he comes in here and he strolls in here and he has his Bible read every day and he posts this scripture on Facebook? I just can't stand it. Take a look at where you are. Because God says happy. Now, this happy translates as joy. Okay? It translates as joy. Got the joy, 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 joy. Yeah, I love that song. I haven't sang it forever. I used to have it. I used to listen to it on a record player at First Baptist Church in Albion, and I think that we wore that copy out. Okay? I love that song. But my favorite part was, where? You remember that guy? Got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. And he go, Where? Some of you are going to have to go YouTube that song. But he says he gives us joy. And I very, very seldomly think that I ever sang that song and I didn't smile. I didn't, I didn't understand joy. 
I thought, man, and I, I was a kid, but there's songs that make you happy. I could start laughing right now, and some of you just, you're just not in the mood, and you'd never start doing it. But I could start laughing right now, and it's contagious. I can watch people all over the sanctuary just, <laughs> yeah, he's an idiot. He's on stage. He's laughing for no reason, okay? You, it says, happy are the pure in heart. God says, I want you to seek me. Left alone, left alone to ourselves without God, we are, we are a term that's, that's identified as this. We are completely and totally depraved. We, we cannot, we cannot have a relationship with God on our own. And God says, I want you to understand this joy. Have you ever, you ever did something wrong with your parents and you knew that you needed to apologize? And it was, or you had a meeting that you didn't want to have and, and all this, just this huge stuff was going on in your head. And you're like, oh, they're going to be so mad. 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 And you get worked up and you get worked up and you get worked up and worked up and worked up. And by the time you have this meeting, you're ready to throw up. <laughs> There's a significant piece of sports memorabilia that my dad that my dad uh, had and it let's just say it got it got colored on with a permanent marker I don't know the culprit um, at all and that's a lie but I won't I won't reveal that information but I remember uh, that person in my family going to my dad and and we we discussed things and I said yeah he's probably going to kill you it's not going to be good it's not going to be good, like at all. And we, got, we kept getting worked up and worked up and worked up. And, and we went and we, we told my dad uh, what had happened. And we were sick. I mean, we had our heads down. We're like waiting for the axe to fall. I'm thinking we're not ever going to swim again in the rest of our entire life. We're never going to leave this place. Uh, and my dad says, that's okay, but I wish you would have just came to me when it happened. What? <laughs> Who is this person? <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, I should I should just, do you realize that God is waiting to do that with you? He says, just come to me. But God, you don't want to know what's inside, inside here. Inside this 38-year-old guy that's a pastor, inside my, in myself, I'm still like a seven-year-old scared little boy. And I'm afraid that you're going to see that. And God says, that's exactly what I want to see so I can change you. You have to be honest with me, Matt. And when God forgives you, I love this, when God forgives you, it's not partial. It's yes, all the way, every time. So we don't even have, you can, man, if you have siblings, you know how this goes, okay? If something happened between me and my sister, my mom and dad would say, you do apologize. Real heartfelt from the heart, ready? This is how I would apologize, Sorry. We done yet? No, you have to apologize like you mean it. Sorry. And on the other side of my, ma- my mouth, I'd be like, no, I'm not. And, and then my mom and dad would say, apologize. This makes no sense. Apologize like you mean it. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So then I would apologize to my sister and I would say, I'm sorry. And then over here I would go, I got caught. <laughs> it's difficult. When my mom and dad would be like, you will apologize like you mean it. Like that matter i'm like yeah i'm sorry i got caught really um not really sorry now what what changes when we go to god and sometimes we say i'm just really sorry that i got caught you just wipe this off i'm sorry i got caught i'm I'm gonna do it again 
But God says, I want you to be pure in me. Seek these things. Look at the next thing on, on your worship handout. And if you're going through something like this, this is real. Nothing drains us emotionally like bitterness and resentment. It will suck the life out of you. Where does this come from? Unforgiveness. Being wronged. Know that, knowing that you need to do something. Being convicted by the Holy Spirit. You tell me how good you sleep if you know that you have a meeting that's not really going to be potentially awesome the next day. Why? You have nerves going all kinds of crazy. If somebody says something to you, I've had people say something to me in the past couple, three, four months. Said something to me that was very, very, very sharp. Not anybody from here. And they said, I don't think that you did this right. Man, I worked like 20 hours. In my head, you know what I said? Jerk. I hope you have 20 pounds of pressure in your tire. And all the rest of them have 50. Okay, I did. We, 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 we get that real quick. <clears throat> I'm going to be mean back. Later on, that person came to me and they said this. I don't think that what I said came out right. You know what I wanted to say? You're right. <laughs> no, I said, I said, okay. I said, I've, I've said things like that yesterday. Yesterday. I called someone. I said, hey, I said this in front of you. Did you think that I said it this way? No, I didn't think, it, think so at all. I said, good, because I didn't, and I just want to make sure that if you did say that or think that way, I wanted to set that record straight. And they, you know what they said? They had the audacity. They said, oh, I appreciate you calling. <sighs> They're like happy Christians. <laughs> but if you're not, and you walk around, and you want to harbor, if you're a bottler, and you know what that means, you stuff everything down, put the... And then there's some people that work that know exactly where that bottle is in your life. And you walk in and they go, thank you. And they just wait. Because they know that you're going to explode. They just keep shaking and keep shaking and keep shaking and keep shaking. And you know this if you have siblings because you knew exactly how to punch their buttons. Don't let them push your buttons. Satan wants to punch your buttons all day and he wants to have bitterness. He wants you to have resentment. He says, I don't, you don't need to forgive that person. You do not need to seek mending that relationship. You don't need to be. Just be mad. Look at verse, look at verse 9. This happy word again. Yay. Happy those who work for peace. Do you know this person? They just, they like, they sweat smiley faces from Walmart. They're just annoying. They do this. They come in. Hey, Matt, how you doing? They actually care. And I'm like, um, I'm fine. Oh, well, I just, it's just, I'm just blessed to see you today. Bless you, my friend. I'm like, oh, you make me want to vomit. Do you ever have a bad day? Now what? This is different than those this is different than those people. But too often we don't seek peace, we seek to be right. And we seek to be right and we seek to do it sharply. I'm reminded of one of the greatest movies of all time. Karate Kid. <laughs> and the Cobra Kai, it's Cobra Kai, right? Okay. Yeah. The sensei is over he goes, "Sweep the leg." Right? Doesn't he? And Daniel's like, <laughs> I don't do karate or MMA or that, but I'm like, man, you could have got away from that kick. <laughs> I mean, he's like, whoops, and his leg flies up, and boom, it's over. I don't know. But in, anyway, in the movies, Daniel delivers the blow, okay, and he knocks him out. But too often, too often, we get somebody that we want to come in, 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 in our life, and, and we think that they're trying to just, I mean, they're just trying to get along with us, and 
they're working for peace. And sometimes we go around this life and we see people that are literally on this leg and we just like, and we don't care. When we do that, we are not operating on mercy. When you do that, you're operating on your own judgment. How many times have we in this life, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Nintendo guy. But when you play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, you're Glass Joe, and he's a little dude. Mike Tyson's like this big, okay? And if you get hit by Mike Tyson, and you're Glass Joe, and you actually get up, he's like this. And sometimes we have, we have, we have the options to speak life into people. And instead of speaking life, we throw haymakers. Just boom. Ask, ask yourself this. Whenever I've been shaken in this world and I just need somebody to tell me that they love me, have you had somebody throw a haymaker? I Probably we all understand this. So why does Jesus spend this much time talking about those who work for peace? This is... This is, peace is not a, a 2018 issue. It actually had been going on, a struggle for it had been going on far before the New Testament started. There's wars all the way through the Old Testament. Peace was broken in Genesis chapter 3 when man and, and woman sinned. We find, we find that peace is broken immediately because one of their kill, kids killed the other one. No peace. Look at this. So how does this process work? If you, if you have your worship hand out, look at this. It's gonna be, some of us, we, I, I need to see this. I need to look at this. I need to, I need to put this in front of me for all week. Number one, you have to reveal your heart to God. You, do you realize that praying prayers like this are okay? God, what they did to me really, really hurt. Do you know that that's okay to tell God? It really hurt. I have tried for a long time to forgive them on my own, and this is what you'll come to, but I can't. I need you. And if we do that in, in the steps and we reveal our heart to God, then we, do, then we do something that scares some of us to death. We release the offender. You forgive them. You write that relationship. And some of you right now are not ready to do this. Don't leave here and go, well, Matt told me I have to apologize. No, listen. You need to reveal your heart to God and let him start to heal you so that you can release your offender. This is not an overnight process. This is not going to take you. Some of you may take you more than six months. But you have to choose. You have to choose because of you have been forgiven that much. You have to choose to release other people. And then you have to do number three. This is wonderful scripture. In the New Testament, it talks about God's peace goes beyond anything that we can understand. It, it just, it, it's, it's more than we can think. It, it, it covers us. And he says, in, in number three, he says, replace your hurt with God's peace. Yes, they've hurt you. You realize it's okay to tell God this. They hurt me. Do you know what God says? Watch this. You ready? You're his kid. You ready? I know. Okay? So if you know that I've got this huge hole in my heart, or I'm standing on one leg, can you help me? Do you know what he's going to say? No, I don't have time? No, absolutely, I will help you. I will, I want you, I want, 
if some of us went to the people that we're mad at and we told them that we were sorry in the way that we offended them, those people might physically stop breathing because they know the you that's always mad. It's always this. It's always this. And he says, you have to reveal your heart to God in order to release the offender. And whenever you do that, do you understand the peace? If you've ever had to apologize for something and the peace that is, that is upon you and the weight that is lifted whenever you finally say, I did it. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> but too often we do this. If I go to Mary and I said, I said, Mary. And sometimes I'm just a sarcastic idiot. And I'll go to her and say, I'm really sorry for how you treated me. <laughs> oh, you guys caught that language? It's funny. But we all use it. I'm sorry for the way that you treated me. Hmm. In the Old Testament, it says what sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. That, that, that saying right there is me thinking that I'm better than Mary. I'm sorry for the way that you treated me. <laughs> I'm lucky that I'll get that smirk just smacked off of my face. And I don't do that, okay? But, but there, there are times when I, when I want to, I go to her and she, and she says, I'm sorry for this. I want to say, you should be. Don't laugh. You do the same thing. Um, I need you to apologize to me this way. Uh, one, can you say it one more time? Are you not thankful that we go to God and we, and, we, and we are seriously repenting with him? He doesn't say, can you do it again so I can hear it in this ear? I don't know how serious you are, Matt. Would you, ask for me, would you ask for me to forgive you one more time? No, God doesn't play around with that because your sin was, 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 fell to the earth in, in a payment where Jesus gave his life and he shed his blood for it. And his blood covers your sin. So whenever we ask God to forgive us, he can't not because we have a relationship with his son. And we've pled that blood. And it immediately goes on to us and we're immediately forgiven. And we have the audacity at humans to say, can you tell me again? I'm, I don't hear you. Are you really sorry? Could you grovel, please? We have to be careful. You have to understand how God forgives you and how we're supposed to forgive other people. There are many nights. Hmm. During my, my personal journey through Celebrate Recovery 12 Steps that I, ref, that I repeated this coming up phrase. After I had revealed my heart to God. Can you go back one, please? After I had revealed my heart to God. I had released, I, I, I came to a point where I had, to, I had to make amends. Doesn't that just sound like fun? Oh, what you, would you do when you got up this morning? I'm going to make amends with everybody that I've wronged. Oh, that's just a joyous occasion. It is probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire life. I didn't get, I didn't get rehired at a school, and I, I have talked with this lady, and we are completely cool. I did not get rehired at a school that I taught at, and it legitimately wasn't my fault. Did you know that two years later, whenever I was going through Celebrate Recovery 12-step, uh, I understood that I had a relationship that I needed to mend. I did not badmouth this person in public. I didn't badmouth this person probably more than three or four times outside of my home with my wife, and I called that person. They answered the phone, and I couldn't talk. Okay. I said, I'll tell you what. Number one, 
I want to tell you that I'm sorry. You have never found out, because I didn't do it publicly, but inside the walls of my house and to very close friends of mine, I talked negatively about you and the decision that you made, and I was really upset. And I need you to forgive me. Do you know what she said? I forgive you. And she said, I truthfully and honestly believe that I made a wrong decision. Will you forgive me? You know what I wanted to say? No. I said, absolutely. And she sent me a letter. She said, I, I can't wait to see your family out again. She goes, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful how much peace God can give you when forgiveness happens? And I said, I have been storing this in myself for two years. Oh, the weight that God can do. And I repeated this over and over. Look at the next blank, or look at the next screen. It's on your worship handout. But this is the step that I had to go through. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others. Except when to do so would harm them or others. That, I can explain that later. Um, but if you have a, a relationship that's bad between a, maybe a, a person you had a relationship with and they're, they've moved on and they're married, okay, it's not, we're not talking about going into that relationship and just bringing up a whole bunch of stuff. That you can do that with God, okay? What, what are you going to choose? Where are you at? Do you, do you even want to forgive? And some of you, honest to goodness, you may be like, not yet. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. And, th- and I'm not speaking anything special there's not special words here but i'm going to pray for you that you because i know i've experienced making amends with people and the healing that it can do for your life your family literally may notice that you're a different person because you haven't you don't have to hold on to that junk anymore maybe maybe you've been through a marriage before and then things didn't work out fine maybe you've gone through different things like this listen i'm not i don't know and i do not pretend to know everything that's happened to you And everything that's happened to you may not be your fault. Maybe you don't have a relationship with your parents. I don't know. But I'm telling you that Jesus, number one, can't lie, didn't lie, doesn't lie. And in scripture, when he says, happy are the merciful, he's being truthful. He's he's giving us areas to work on. Don't let it fester. Get out of the mud. Don't stay there because it's comfortable and you just want to stay mad. Move. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for some of the most difficult things in this entire world that we can do is to admit that we're wrong. And God, to want to seek forgiveness and resolution of relationships that have seriously all but have been destroyed. Maybe some of them have. And God, I know that there's people in this room, myself, that I just ask that we search our life and that you point out different areas that maybe we need to, we need to correct. We need to, be, we need to be peacemakers. We need to be uh, representatives of your, of your love and to represent that we don't hold things against people because you don't hold things against us if we're repentant. And God, this is a lot to swallow, and I just pray that we come to you, that we seek you, God, that we are just honest with you on how we can share your love better. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen.